Hello, this is ASEAN Movie Pulse interviews. I am Panos Kodzathanasis, and I'm here with Samuel Zamier, the executive director of New York ASEAN Film Festival. Hello, Samuel. Hi, Panos. How are you? Thanks I'm for having fine. me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So let's take things from the very beginning. How did you end up working in movies? movies. <laughs> uh, kind of by chance in a way. I was uh, um, originally what happened is I was working for a small nonprofit, the Korea Society. And um, at the time I was organizing it's, it's an American nonprofit in uh, their goal is to promote US career relations. So at the time, uh, my my job was to uh, organize public lectures around all topics regarding US career relations. So that also included uh, movie screenings, selecting Korean films for uh, series and uh, festivals and such. Uh, so that's how I kind of got started in specifically selecting and programming films for, for the public, for New Yorkers. And a couple of years later, I started working for Japan City, a very similar type of nonprofit, but they have their own theaters right near the, the UN. And uh, I uh, ran their year-round uh, pro- uh, film program. So they, they have their own theater. That's basically how I got started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. Uh, Japan Society at the time had a partnership with the New York Asian Film Festival. And uh, one, yeah, one thing led to another and I started programming for them as well. And eventually I started uh, running the show, basically. Mm-hmm. I've been involved now with the New York Asian Film Festival for about 10 years, half its existence. And I've been running it for maybe about five or something, something mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, how would you say the festival has changed in these 10 years that you're in it? Uh, well, it's changed, it's changed quite a bit. I think it's changed uh, naturally because of, the na- because of the nature of the content itself. I mean, a, a lot of things, uh, I don't like using the word content, but the films aren't the same. Like the scene, the scene has changed uh, considerably. Uh, it's changed because of me. It's changed because of the program. Some of the programmers who joined. Uh, it's yeah. It's uh, how has it changed? It's uh, I think um, the big picture is uh, it's, it's probably a lot less genre oriented uh, than it used to be. I think the slate is uh, a lot more diverse. Certainly, uh, we've made specific efforts towards showing films from Southeast Asia. I think in terms of representation, obviously, I mean, we do our best every year, but uh, we've, we've, put a, we've put in a lot of, of efforts to show films from the Southeast Asian area, the Philippines, Thailand, and so on. I think uh, that probably used not to be the case uh, as much. Um, so that's, I would say, that's one of the major changes. We bring a lot more actors than we used to. And in general, there's, there's more guests than you used to. Of course, the pandemic <laughs> put mm-hmm. a serious uh, spanner in the, yeah, the whole machinery, you know, like uh, that there was, you know, uh, during the years of the pandemic, we had to pivot online, show films uh, on the streaming platform. So, so like if, like a lot of, like most people really, 
So aside from that, yeah, that's I would say those are the the main changes. Uh, more more diverse films, a little bit more art house, uh, more regions are represented, and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, would you say that there is a specific purpose of the of the festival? You have one something that you aim at a specific purpose. Let's say a specific purpose. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> uh, I think. Okay, so also that's also a difference between me and my predecessors and uh, the evolution of the festival. A lot of the staff is Asian now, so it's just a diverse workforce. We have uh, uh, hired a lot of, I recruited a lot of uh, women on the team as well. So it's so it's reflected in the way we we do things. Uh, but one important component to me, being an Asian person running a, a New York Asian Film Festival, is also to connect. Uh, Asian American to build a bridge between Asian American audiences and their countries of origin. I feel there's a this gap, this discrepancy, and I'm not sure what to call it, between Asian Americans sometimes and uh, and the countries where they're from. Quite 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 simply, uh, I think there's a lot of internalized uh, how could I put it. Uh, internalized hate almost at, at some level. It's like a lot of Asians were growing up in America. That's also the case in Europe. I grew up in Europe uh, to a sense, at least for people my generation, maybe older as well, there's almost a sense of shame. Like you, you know, when I grew up coming, coming from Korea, you had a sense like you're, you're almost coming from, you're basically coming from a third world country. Of course, things have changed a lot. So I think one of the purpose of the festival was to also to try to instill a sense of, uh, I don't like the word pride, but yes, pride if you want, or at least not being ashamed from, of where you're from. You know, like these are countries that have uh, immense, uh, fantastic film cultures. And so that's, that's one of the purpose of what we do. And that's become, it's become high, it's, it's high on our, it's high on our agenda for sure. Other than that, yeah, I want to, you know, it's a film festival, so I don't, I don't want to, preach anything we, we want to entertain but also educate at the same time i think that's also important uh for me in that sense i don't want to just show films and like okay you have a good laugh but I, i would like for people to also come out of certain films and uh you know change their perspective a, a little bit show how it's a slice of life a film as well it's not fictions obviously but it's also a window on other cultures I would like for people. I would like for people to wonder, uh, ask themselves questions about how they live, how other people live, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's. I would say that 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 just about describes it. <laughs> the, the manifesto. Okay. Okay. <laughs> manifesto. <laughs> My communist manifesto. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so and uh, what is the audience like? Like there are mostly Asian American or Asian or what is it diverse? More? I would say it was really overwhelmingly white when I joined. Mm. Uh, that has changed a lot. Uh, obviously, it's linked to our venue where uh, we show our films at Lincoln Center. Uh, it's quite diverse now. We have a lot of Asians. I, I'm going to say not just Asian Americans, but It, it really is kind of representative of what New York is. I'd like, I'd like to think. I'd like to think. Uh, so yeah, Asians, whites, blacks. Uh, it's getting younger, which is good. I think we've put in a lot of efforts to try and connect with uh, younger audiences. Uh, well, yeah, from all over the place. Obviously, uh, 
Yeah, if we show a film for the Philippines with a big star like Anne Curtis, a lot of, a lot of the, the uh, expatriates or second generation Filipino Americans are going to show up. But overall, I'm going to say it's it's really a mix. I mean, it's really a mix of uh, people. I, can't, I don't have the exact demographics in front of me, but maybe 40% Caucasian, uh, whites. 20, 30% Asian. It depends on the screening, where we show how well we promote <laughs> the films and so on. Or, yeah, it's quite diverse. I think that would be uh, my answer. All right, right. And uh, what would you say are the pros and what the cons of having a festival in New York? Ah, well, the pros is New York City. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's a lot of things going on here. You're, Uh, it's one of the capitals of the Western world, one of the world capitals for, for, for culture. There's, there's a lot of great, exciting things from, you know, you're near the, the Met, MoMA, you have this pretty amazing cult, arts and culture scene that's, that survived during the pandemic and even thrived to an extent. I mean, we survived, basically. Uh, the Broadway shows, I mean, it's, it's a part of, uh, you know, <laughs> history and, and so on. This New York City, I'm not even sure how to summarize it. Uh, but that's also, but that's a double-edged sword because there's also so many things happening. Uh, I think that's one of the issues in general about having a film festival in one of the large urban centers, uh, like Paris or, or London. Uh, there's just so many things happening uh, at the same time. So New York itself has a, an unusually large number of film festivals. Mm -hmm. uh, new, new ones are created all the time. So there's sort of a, an overload in this sense. Competition is fierce. That's not necessarily bad. But definitely, I'm going to say there's almost too many things happening. So getting people's attention uh, is not easy. You, you're basically competing with everyone else. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's the challenge, uh, because, you know, at any given time, it's like, you know, any given time you're doing an event, it's like, well, Sam and Rushdie may be having a talk next door, <laughs> or like, there's a new Broadway show with, uh, uh, I don't know, with uh, Hugh Jackman <laughs> or something like that at the same time, or I don't know, human sacrifice <laughs> somewhere in town, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I don't know, like, oh, how about that? You know, uh, so. Yeah, so that makes things difficult. If you, if you, sometimes I am, I can. Be, sometimes I am envious of uh, other showcases that take place in uh, cities that are a little less crowded, uh, in all, in every sense of the word, less crowded in general, and less crowded with events, because that makes it quite challenging uh, for us. But uh, you know, it's New York. It's, it's my home now, so it's been my home for for 20 years. So that's the place that I chose to, to, to yeah, uh, work at and therefore for the festival, that's what I, what I use. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, can you give us some information about the team that runs the festival? The theme, oh, I'm often asked that, uh, you mean uh, kind of like the purpose in general? Well, we try no, to- No, no, uh, so not the theme, the, the team, the group that runs the festival. The people that run the festival. The people that run the festival, uh, you mean the programmers in general, aside from me? Yeah, yeah so uh, my, my colleague, Claire Marty, is based in London. 
she's uh, she works for a couple of distribution companies. Uh, she's a long time you know, film distri- uh, distribution, film industry professional. Uh, pretty much my right hand when it comes to selecting the films. Takes a lot of these decisions. Uh, I've got a couple of colleagues in Japan, Karen Severance and Koichi Mori, uh, who run, uh, Karen is an academic, she teaches film. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, have, we have David Williams here in New York who works for uh, the distributor film movement. Uh, we have a new I have a new team member, Jenny Lin, who is an actress, uh, who also helps run the Asian American Filmmakers Forum initiative, which is uh, meant to foster new voices from the diaspora. And we aim at showing more an increasing number of films made by the Asian diaspora here. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the team uh, I have to to choose to choose films every year. It's been a stable team for the past five, six years. I can't even remember. I want to say since 2015, approximately. Mm-hmm. That's the team I've worked with. Uh, yeah, maybe seven, close to seven years, perhaps now. And uh, some of the criteria for the film selection in general, what do you search for music? Oh, uh, that could take a while, but uh, in short, <laughs> to explain, <laughs> but uh, in short, We're looking for uh, great storytelling. Uh, my idea of showing films at the New York Asian Film Festival is that uh, films are that show very complete cinema, like great production values, or rather production values that are adequate with the story they're trying to tell. Uh, so in this sense, and that's probably why the, di- the, the lineup has become more diverse in a sense. To me, it doesn't matter if it's an art house movie, a horror film, an action film, uh, a, a film produced with $50,000, a film produced with $5 million. What I'm looking for is uh, stories that use the means that they have adequately. So great storytelling is really key. Uh, the ability to convey emotion on all levels on with you know all these elements come together. You can't really isolate one from another. another. You have a great cast. Obviously, uh, led led by a great director. Uh, cinematography is important, but I'm not. We're not going to show one of these films before come out. It's like, oh, it's very pretty. Uh, like, mm-hmm. no, no, <laughs> that doesn't work. Doesn't work like that. It's good that it's pretty, sure, no problem. But um, that's just one element. So I like this sense of balance. It's like a dish to me, in a way. In a way, I like to use the kitchen metaphor. I want a complete meal, something that offers a sense of satisfaction and maybe not everything is, is perfect, but you, you have a sense of balance of all and completeness. So you, yeah, that's, that's, that's the idea. That's not easy. Sometimes yeah, it uh, sounds very complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes my own programmers are like, you're insane. You're insane. We don't really understand what you want. And I'm like, I was like, no, this is not good enough. Yeah. But that's the general philosophy. But I think ultimately it comes down to, great storytelling accessibility is also a factor we want to show films that can connect with, uh, with uh, uh, non-domestic audiences like people like if we want to show film from korea i would try to show some stuff that uh people can understand but we also want to educate people so we, we take chances on some films that might be uh sometimes maybe hard to understand comedy can be a hard sell at times 
uh, community is very culturally implanted. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we've had challenges. Sometimes I watch the uh, Thai comedy and I don't, I don't get it. It's clearly supposed to be funny, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's complicated. It's not easy. Uh, I sometimes have to watch a film more than once, uh, multiple times until, I, uh, okay, yeah, let's let's try, let's try for this mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But but uh, you always have the last word. Right. If you don't like something, it's not. Uh, in general, but I mean, you know, I have a team that is autonomous enough that, uh, yeah, let I let them take a lot of decisions. We're vote based, of course. Everyone has a specialty. I'm more Korea, Japan oriented. I come from. I have programmed for Japanese films for a lot for for a long time. Uh, Claire is great with Southeast Asia. Obviously, we have Japan-based uh, programmers. So we all have uh, specialties, but we take decisions collectively. We vote, and yes, indeed, I, I have final cut. But I, at this point, I, I do not only run the uh, uh, take the artistic decision. I also have to take care of the multiple aspects of the uh, of the business mm-hmm. uh, of running the the festival, getting money in, you know, and so on. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have the final cut, but I would say those are uh, a lot of decisions are made collectively. Mm-hmm. A majority of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does the audience seem to prefer when do the screening room is packed? They say usually. Uh, I can't say that there's a genre uh, that's overwhelmingly popular, but. Mm, Obviously, yeah, I think the audience is always interested to see films uh, with guests in attendance. That mm-hmm. those are, if you have a guest in attendance, people are going to show up and see it. It shows the importance of festival in connecting the creators with with an audience. That, and I think we've, we, we're good at this uh, in terms of uh, introducing new or established talent. Uh, we're not a snobby festival. I think there's a, the atmosphere is casual. Uh, intimate uh, in the sense that we, we're not a velvet rope type of festival. So obviously, uh, there's a degree of formality if you have a big star, but I think in New York City, also that comes from the city where we have the festival like this. It's just so many stars in town in general. Uh, and we've worked at making uh, both the audience and the stars comfortable with having this direct sort of uh, connection. Uh, so to answer your question more directly, I mean, you know, the popular genres, action films, blockbusters, obviously that works, that usually work work well. Stuff that's typically very popular back in back in Asia, that 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 works for us as well. I mean, uh, the, the major Korean films that mm-hmm. we are able to show, for example, in New York City, yeah, that, that, that also works. That also works for us, uh, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, how? Uh, okay. Uh, you want to add something? Yeah, yeah. Well, also depends on the country. Some countries have uh, films are more popular than others. Uh, Korea has benefited a lot recently from uh, the, the, the rise in soft soft power of, of, of Korea. Spectacular. I mean, the national brand now is uh, is a major major asset. That used to be be the case of Japan as well. Uh, maybe a little less so now, but still Japanese films are extremely popular. So country by country, there are also differences. Uh, having said that, again, we've made specific efforts to, to showcase fairly 
films from the Southeast Asian area, Malaysia, Philippines, and so on. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Since you mentioned it, why do you think uh, Korea is so far up now, like like the top Asian industry? I mean, in terms of revenue, at least it's obviously Korean and popularity internationally. What but did they this... do correctly, and or what did the rest do badly? <laughs> ah, very interesting. Uh, that's the topic of an entire conversation, I have to say. Uh, I myself, I'm surprised to an extent. I've worked on promoting, exhibiting uh, Korean culture in all respects, uh, on all levels. I worked a little bit with Korean politicians as well, Korean businessmen. So after almost 15 years of doing that, I even I am surprised to an extent how far it went. Uh, I think there's a matter of timing, but certainly the, uh, the quality of the films, the stories, the TV dramas for, for a long time is, it's been quite high. Uh, so, so you have the effort, obviously, of the, the filmmakers themselves when it comes to cinema strictly, uh, movies, strictly speaking. Um, I think Korea produces a, a, large, a large number of genre films and is comfortable working with existing, pre-existing narrative structures for crime movies, thrillers, thrillers in particular, gangster films, melodrama. Uh, so Koreans are, uh, formally speaking, just speaking about the storytelling, uh, those are recognizable forms. You know, you, you see gangster films, you know what to expect. You, know, you get out of jail, you, you, <laughs> you go back to a life a world that has changed, you know, that kind of patterns. Koreans do that exceedingly well. I think there's a there's great quality to genre storytelling and it's present even in their art house films sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Bong Juno is the epitome of that, the ability to jump from one type of stories as one for like Memories of Murder to me might be the in that sense, the best Korean film that ever was in the sense that you have, um, uh, formally speaking is brilliant. You, know, you, you have all these elements that come together for five minutes. You have like this gritty realism, like people beating up, uh, the cops beating up uh, a suspect. And then it's a comedy. They, they watch something together on TV. A guy's <laughs> eating his noodles. And, and you, you laugh at the same time. Uh, so this ability to, to use all these uh, genres, vehicles, to say something, I think is... It's kind of critical to Korean storytelling. You see it in the pop music as well. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point you would see the K-pop, this K-pop songs. It's, it's quite amazing to me. Like for 10 seconds, you have EDM and then 20 seconds of intense hip hop and then a little bit of electric guitar somewhere. Like what the, <laughs> I mean, in some cases it was quite chaotic, uh, but overall it, it shows the, that ability to take a form and transform it and make and appropriate it uh, in a good way. So I think there's that. Uh, so the, the craft is there. Uh, that's something you used to be able to say about Japanese cinema. Uh, incredibly, that's no longer the case. Uh, Korean cinematography, the, the, the directors of photography have long surpassed just about anyone else in East Asia. I mean, I, of course, China is this massive entity and I, I, it's a big sweeping generalizations, but if we were to compare country to country and explain uh, what's going on right now because definitely there is uh, I was going to say a decline of 
of Japanese uh, cinema a little bit. I mean, Koreeda is in competition, I believe, very likely to win big mm-hmm. and to go very far with his film, made in Korea with a Korean cast, but hey. Uh, but you're no longer able to say that about the, the, the craft, the, the directors of photography, it's something that everyone, I, I think few people would, would disagree with me. There's a number of technical elements uh, in Japanese movies that you know that don't compare positively. So if we if we, if we in, in in the absolute, nothing nothing is ever absolute. You know, like an industry has this kind of uh, uh, technicians, uh, craftsmen, and and Korea has the best craftsmen. I say I would say period. That is hard to match. Uh, and beyond that, I would say culturally speaking. Uh, I think it comes from the country itself. Like uh, Korean people tend to be very expressive, you know, they laugh openly, uh, they cry openly. Uh, so I think that makes it uniquely accessible to foreign audiences. The, the sentiments, the feelings are, they're right there, they're in your face. So and the values are recognizable. It's, it's a conservative country as well. So if you show a Korean melodrama, to someone in Iran, in, in the Middle East, uh, in Syria or wherever, in, in South Africa, uh, to a Latin American audience, to a Greek person, it's easy to understand. You're not gonna have, you're not gonna scratch your head and think, uh, what's the deal with that mother-in-law? Everyone's gonna be able to recognize it. I think there's a critical element in the popularity, specifically of TV dramas and of a certain type of Korean films. Uh, some other countries, uh, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, I don't really, I don't really mm-hmm. understand. You need a great deal of context. Uh, I would say a large number of Korean films, TV, TV dramas again, uh, but films, since that's our medium, uh, they're not hard to, they're not hard to understand. That's a quality. It's easy. The emotions are easily communicable. It's not always, uh, you know, there's a lot of, bad films too coming from Korea but overall overall it's intelligible understandable relatable so that's I think that comes from the country itself that 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 uh, they find they find the right window the the right content to, to use uh, an overused word right now uh, to to break uh, to break through worldwide mm-hmm. that's that's my answer it's a long answer Yeah. Uh, would you say that's also a matter of promotion? Like Japanese are notoriously not very interested in promoting international. No, it's very inward oriented. Absolutely. Everyone's everyone's made a note of that. Yeah, it's uh yeah, that makes a huge amount of difference. I think the sense of business or in, uh, in Korea, the way it's conducted, it's quite different. Uh there's more openness more yeah definitely the dynamic is more outward oriented Korea is quite small uh Japan is by no stretch of the imagination a small country even though they sometimes like to describe themselves as such uh Japan is a lot more inward I think it's a very large theatrical market for a long time second Mm -hmm. largest in the world uh so yeah not necessarily super interested in the outside world uh Yeah, so that comes into play, the desire to promote yourself overseas. But Japan has long benefited from excellent advocates. There's like, uh, I have to say, compared with, with uh, I think you might have dominated other players in the East Asia area in the sense that 
uh, Japan benefited from immense, immensely talented and smart advocates, people like Donald Ritchie, Donald Keane in general for mm-hmm. the uh, Mm-hmm. For, for for literature uh so great uh and not gatekeepers uh gate openers bridge builders people like that 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 has helped that helped japan a lot i'm gonna say korea didn't does not have much of that even now they they tend to do all the work themselves so mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes at their own expense uh but yeah you, you you're you're right that uh japan mm-hmm. uh, does not have that interest in that that probably limits the, uh, the the popularity of some of the films. Mm-hmm. And uh, there has been uh, okay, like uh, too much written about Parasite and its success. But uh, what do you think about the success of Drive My Car this year? That's interesting. Uh, I think it's a completely different phenomenon. Mm. Uh, Parasite really represents a breakthrough, something new, an emergence of Korea overall. That's like. Uh, and then it's, in a way, in a sense, it sort of paved the way for Squid Game, which is a whole different uh, uh, conversation as well. Uh, the success of Drive My Car is interesting in the sense that um, <laughs> I have to be careful what I'm going to say. I think it's a really interesting film, uh, but it fulfills a number of tropes that uh, appeal to Western critics. Mm. I think there's a major discrepancy between the way the film is represented or perceived locally in Japan and how it's perceived overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have that also with Parasite to an extent. To an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Drive My Car, the gap is wider. Uh, Drive My Car uh, is more representative of, for example, the popularity of people like directors like Naomi Kawase mm-hmm. in the International Film Festival circuit. This is not someone who's, whose films are extremely popular in Japan by any It's specifically focused on the International Film Festival circuit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon to me. I think it's positive. It's positive. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a well-made, well-crafted film that's Overlong a little bit, <laughs> and definitely fulfills some of the. I mean, I'm going for it there. I mean, it might sound harsh, but it fulfills some Orientalist tropes: uh, the sexuality of the women at the beginning, uh, the content, and it comes from the source material a little bit. It has an appeal to. I don't mean to to criticize or disparage uh, the source material by uh, Murakami, uh, Haruki Murakami. Um, but um, I think I think its success certainly fulfills some of the existing orientalist orientalist tropes mm. in in the West. I believe a lot of people who speak Japanese would re- would disagree with some of the assessments on the mm-hmm. film. Uh, but I think it's it's a positive phenomenon for the industry. It opens a space for independent cinema and subtitled cine- subtitled films in general. So from an industry perspective, yeah, I see it as a, I see it as a very positive phenomenon, even though I disagree with the... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be a critical consensus about the film that I, I mm-hmm. and a few others who won't necessarily speak out uh, mm-hmm. disagree with. Uh, in other words, to me, it 
appeals to category of white Western film critics. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. They're not. I'm not saying uh, they're, they're to to nuance thing, things a little bit. They're not necessarily wrong, but how you reach this critical consensus it shows who it tells me something about who you are. I read I read the reviews and like this tells me more about who you are as a critic, as a writer, than who, what the film is. Mm-hmm. Again, I had, I, I watched the film twice. So, so yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's a filmmaker that I respect a lot. But it's interesting to me because Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy is a far better film. It's more compact, more original, uh, in every sense of the word, because it's, a, it's an original idea. Uh, it has a lot more to offer, in a sense, mm-hmm. than Drive My Car. So mm-hmm. again, I really I, I have immense respect. I have nothing but respect for his director, but he found success. I want to say with the wrong film. I always want to say the same thing about Bong Juno because uh, *Parasite* is a great film, but I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that's his best film. But mm-hmm. *Right Time Window* at the time it was it's, it's a great thing that happened. Obviously, I had no reservations about its success and. Uh, I remember watching it in Cannes. It was an amazing experience, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't go exactly where I wanted to take you, but you almost went there. But <laughs> what I was I wanted to comment a little is that, particularly in the critics circuit and the European Film Festival circuit, there are a lot of Asian movies that tend to look more like European movies than yeah. Asian. And I think Drive My Car is one of those cases. It's one of them. It's one of them. I mean, it shows that to an extent, you choose who and what you look like. That, mm-hmm. that is interesting to me. It's the same thing with Hong Sang-soo. I mean, no offense yeah. to Hong Sang-soo, great filmmaker too, but like, and, and it's really interesting because in, very, in, in a great many, in many cases, you're talking about people with little, sometimes very little understanding about the source culture uh, like we see comments like oh they're doing this really original scene i remember hearing a comment about uh, one of the first scenes in mother so i think it's also around the end when uh, the ajumma are dancing on the bus and mm. bong is just like yeah that's what people do <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's not like a, a genius filmmaking move or original storytelling to have a bunch of crazy Uh, apparently, apparently crazy and culturally it's, there's a discrepancy it shows the trickiness in showing mm-hmm. the difficulty in show exhibiting uh, foreign film cultures outside mm-hmm. of their territory and certainly what you're pointing out is there is a fetishism for a certain type of filmmaking that's Europeanized and more specifically French I mm-hmm. would know mm-hmm. uh, yeah there's like oh you know the marivaudage We call that in French, like these uh, sort of uh, complex love entanglements, entanglements of love that lead to existential crisis. And then you, you do multiple variations on the same theme. You do like kind of like the, that multiverse thing. Everyone talks about the multiverse now. <laughs> Good Lord, like don't get me started. But uh, yeah, this, uh, there is a fetishism of film programmers and uh, and uh, uh, film critics for a type of Europeanized uh, Europeanized filmmaking for sure. But you know, Europe has great storytelling as well. But I would mm. say some of it, there is a form of Orientalism that still persists and lingers and brings 
I would say sometimes not at the expense of others. I can think of filmmakers that never make it to the International Film Festival circuit, very bizarrely, and that fully deserve to be there. And that's why I feel we fulfill our purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we consider niche sometimes, I know I don't think we're niche, we represent a large number of large countries with that produce many great films. So I don't see our, ourselves as niche at all. Uh, I think in to an extent, maybe that's my <laughs> own vanity, but uh, or pride. But I think we we fix some of these issues of representing uh, good filmmaking accurately. Uh, so yeah, so I think I don't know if that's the place you wanted to take me, but yeah, like uh, there's an over representation of that for for sure. Sometimes you see the same filmmaker every year, and like you're like, oh my god, do they even watch the film? Yeah, like you know, it's the same thing. Or like, gosh, that is crazy. And uh, you have like specifically someone like Harada Masato. I mean, come on, this is a first-class filmmaker. It's mm-hmm. commercial filmmaking for sure. It's accessible, but there, there is a degree there. Like some of these films are, are brilliant. They should have been showcased a long time ago. I mean, what is wrong with you? These these are films that deserve international recognition. To 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 to, to mention one. Mm-hmm. Right, and then there are others. Uh, I think Yusuman is usually a little bit, yeah. They, they still throw him in the genre show, showcase. I think so. Making is very ambitious. Uh, uh, so yeah, this it's, but that's the world, and that's but that's that's why my my our festival, the New York Asian Film mm-hmm. Festival, has its place and purpose. I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned critics before. Do you read reviews and criticism in general? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. I do. Uh, sometimes with dismay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, yeah, I read. I, I, yeah, I read everything. I, I do as much work, uh, due diligence on it. Uh, I, uh, I'm sometimes influenced by them too. It helps me open up my perspective, specifically when I disagree. Like it. You try to understand why why the, the guy disliked the film uh, or f- finds the film that's bad. It's you know I come from philosophy partially, so I, I try to have uh, aesthetic criteria that makes sense. Uh, so mm, yeah, I, I I read those. I think there's a decline in film criticism certainly. Uh, there's a rise in film fandom. It's good. It comes from a good place. Film fandom is a form of cinephilia. Uh, now, yes, a lot of bloggers, people are not necessarily accountable. A lot of impressionistic reviews. That's good, but you always need critical sense. And you need uh, some bloggers over the years, you, you read what they do. And yeah, I mean, Asian Movie Post, I think, is a high quality uh, <laughs> publication in this sense. Uh, so it can, it can evolve. So it's good. It comes from a good place. You, you want to appreciate films. Uh, you come with a I would say film fandom, the, the good aspect of it is you're, you're a fanboy, so you like stuff. But at the same time, so it's, yeah, some of the excesses, you have people who are professionally trained to, to write, which mm-hmm. is fine at first, but if you don't evolve and you write the same, the same style, you have to learn at some point. So you see uh, some blood, and that's the, an issue with social media in general. It's like the short attention span type of uh, criticism. You write sound, sound bites, it's a little clever, but and that's all people are going to read. So you can destroy, destroy a film that way. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's it's become a problematic space in this sense. But yeah, I also read the bloggers. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, all right. So to get back to the festival a bit <laughs> harshly, uh, how would you describe the financial situation of the festival nowadays after the COVID? I mean, it's not bad actually. I think we 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 navigated the pandemic uh, okay, if I may say so myself. Uh, we expanded our audience a little bit by going online, uh, not a little bit, uh, quite a bit. Uh, but to me. Showing films online is it's a good it's good crisis management. It helps a festival exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people are still keeping many festivals. I think are keeping an online element. Uh, it's good from a business standpoint, sure. Philosophically, I quite disagree. I, I don't agree. I think uh, the idea of a festival is have you have a limited amount of time. You go to a certain destination, New York, I don't know, Udine, great festival, Tonju, Busan, Cannes. You go to a certain place, yeah, you know, you you watch films in these venues in a specific city. There's there are limits to that, a physical limit. It's a certain place, there's a time limit, it lasts for seven days, 10, 12, 15 days, and then it's over. Uh, showing films online is like Why, do, why try and do something that Netflix is always going to kick your ass at? Why do something that Amazon has 20,000 times the amount of money to do? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, and, uh, and, you know, haven't we had enough two years of sitting on the couch watching, watching these fucking shows? I mean, come on. The couch is not a destination. And to me, no, you're going to have to head to that theater, you know, and, and yeah. It's 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 a destination. It's the uh, you know, to, to in a sense watching a film might seem like a passive thing, and I think Netflix the the Netflix dominance of the past two years, the rise of OT, the OTT business, have led us to believe like oh it's totally fine to watch films on your phone, on your couch. Again, I have this thing about the couch. I don't know why. Maybe I'm tired of of the couch, <laughs> of the sofa, but. Uh, watching films is also, also can also be uh, an action, an act, and I want to encourage people to get out of their apartments. Like go uh, discovering, discovering film is it, it requires uh, energy, a sense of passion. I don't, I don't want to encourage people to just do this thing from their iPad or their laptop. No, no, no absolutely, hell no. So that's not going to continue at least short term for me. I'm very dedicated to the in-person experience, the communal experience going, uh, and, and not just, it's not just about the conditions of screenings. Of course, it matters to me that a film is shown in its proper, con- proper conditions, uh, in, a, in a nice theater with great screening conditions, sound and so on, as opposed to uh, some of a crappy beat up PC uh, mm. at home, right? So that matters. Certainly that comes into play, but also it's a community experience. You sit in a dark room with strangers. It's it's part of a, it's part of again, there's there's something active about that. That's what I like about festivals as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anything you can reveal about this year's edition? <laughs> it's too early. It's gonna be great and fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll open with a Southeast Asian film. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I can tell you. And it's, we hopefully we have a lot of uh, guests from uh, Asia to introduce the films. And it's going to be mostly at uh, Film at England Center, which has been our home now for more than 10 years for the festival venue that, that I really like that offers, I, I believe, some of the best conditions of, um, for a film, for a great film experience in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's about as much as I can reveal now. Oh, okay. July fifteenth to July twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. We have a few things in store. Uh, how many movies do you have any investment? Uh, we're trying to keep it under control, but uh, we have a few tributes here and there uh, that are happening. So it's a uh, little more than I was hoping. I like the idea with a real compact experience. Some people are who are very brave and very dedicated, very passionate managed to watch all the films in our lineup every year. We have a small number of, uh, of those who watch 60 films. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh, that, that's great. I mean, I love those folks there. there. That, that's some serious passion that I, I really have immense respect for that. Uh, so around the same number, between 50 and 60 films, feature films only, and we have some short films as well. Okay. And any future plans, let's say, if you see the future of the festival in five, ten years, any plans or aspirations? Yes, we have. Uh, I really, okay, my ambition is really to, to have a dedicated space for Asian film culture. Uh, I think it's, I go around the world, I go to the International Film Festivals, Cannes and Venice and so on. Well, Venice not as often, but definitely can. Or Berlin, one of my favorite film festivals as well. Sometimes I feel it's we really, that that meets what we uh, it's going back a little bit to what we were discussing earlier. Sometimes I feel it's like essentially those are European European films with a handful of Asian films in there, <laughs> a couple of films from Africa, you know, because you have you know Africa and and Latin America. I'm like. This is a joke, guys, you know. So I'd like to reestablish that balance. I think the East Asian area, Asia is a fiction, doesn't exist. I mean, there's a, such a thing as the Sinosphere at some point. This, the area of influence of China existed. Uh, you know, you uh, have this, anyway, it's a complex question. Uh, but I do believe in dedicating some kind of space, time to exhibit, explain, educate. New Yorkers and uh, Americans uh, about Asian film culture. That's just, that's the goal that we have. Uh, doing more year-round programming and expand the, the, the festival. I, I see a world in which we would be able to have, to invite all the filmmakers for the films we introduce to the world and have our own dedicated space for it year-round. That's, that's the goal. When you say space, you mean an actual building, right? Not an idea of space or... Yes, you could say that. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, I've said it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. There you go. All right, okay. That's that's where I want to take the festival. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Thank you very much, Samuel. Uh, Sure, thank you. That was fun. Okay. though it's a little bit early for me. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I'm jet lagged. You're lucky. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, great. So uh, this was ASEAN Movie Pulse interviews from Panos Kodzathanasis and Samuel Zamir. Have a nice evening. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks. Thanks, Panos.